You ready on video and audio? We're going to continue our study of what we believe uh, this morning, focusing on what we believe about the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit. Now, I, I kind of chuckle because as Baptists, we have almost a comical relationship with the Holy Spirit. We sing and pray for him to come, and then we're afraid of what, he might, what might happen if he actually does. We, uh, we want the power and the comfort and the truth of the Holy Spirit, but we want to be able to control it so we don't embarrass ourselves or do something that we consider to be crazy. So we're going to see what the, the Baptist faith and message has to say about the Holy Spirit, and then we're going to pick out some main points and look at Scripture that supports them as we have been. So let's first read the, the Baptist Faith and Message uh, 2000, Article 2C, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the Spirit of God, fully divine. He inspired holy men of old to write the Scriptures. Through illumination, He enables men to understand truth. He exalts Christ. He convicts men of sin of righteousness, and of judgment. He calls men to, to the Savior and affects regeneration. At the moment of regeneration, he baptizes every believer into the body of Christ. He cultivates Christian character, comforts believers, and bestows the spiritual gifts by which they serve God through his church. He seals the believer until the day of final redemption. His presence in the Christian is the guarantee that God will bring the believer into the fullness of the stature of Christ. He enlightens and empowers the believer and the church in worship, evangelism, and service. So looking at, at kind of the main points of the article, it says he inspired Scripture. The, the Holy Spirit inspired Scripture. He convicts man of sin, righteousness, and judgment. He convicts all of mankind of sin, righteousness, and judgment. He cultivates Christian character and comforts believers. He is given at the moment of salvation and seals the believer until heaven. He empowers the believer in worship, evangelism, and service. So let's look at these main points um, one at a time. First, he inspired Scripture. The Holy Spirit inspired Scripture. We actually covered this when we covered what we believe about Scripture. We talked about the three main uh, types of inspiration theory. And I said then, and I, and I continue to say that verbal plenary uh, is the best fit for Scripture. The Holy Spirit inspired the words through the believer that, that wrote the scripture that we have. 1 Timothy 3.16 says, All scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, for, and for training in righteousness. And as you remember, the, the phrase inspired by God is more literally breathed out by God. Picture God whispering in the ear of the writer and you have an understanding of the meaning of this phrase. Scripture is inerrant because of this. If God said it, it can't possibly be wrong. And the person of the Trinity that did the whispering is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit still will whisper in our ears 
if we will listen. His work was not done when Scripture was written. He still works in the believer today. He convicts mankind of sin, righteousness, and judgment. I'm going to read a section of Scripture, John chapter 16, starting in verse 7. Nevertheless, I'm telling you the truth. It is for your benefit that I go away, because if I don't go away, this counselor will not come to you. And if I go, I will send him to you. When he comes, he will convict the world about sin, righteousness, and judgment. About sin, because they do not believe in me. About righteousness, because I am going to the Father and you will no longer see me. And about judgment, because the ruler of this world has been judged. I still have many things to tell you, but you can't bear them now. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak of his own, but he will speak whatever he hears. He will also declare to you what is to come. He will glorify me, because he will take from me from what is mine and declare it to you. Everything the Father has is mine. That is why I told you that he takes from what is mine and will declare it to you. So, so this is from the lips of Jesus. Jesus says that, that the Holy Spirit convicts mankind of sin. And Jesus defines that and says that he convicts mankind of sin because they do not believe in me. Now the, word, the Greek word translated sin here is is the idea of an act which is contrary to the will of God. So not believing in Jesus certainly fits this description, since it's God's will that everyone come through faith in Jesus Christ. It's 1 Timothy chapter 2, 2 Peter chapter 3. But we must also think of believing as an active thing, not a static thing, an ongoing, not once at a... At a at a past moment in your life kind of thing. The word for believe in verse 9 is a present active word in the original language, something that is ongoing. Is it showing that you believe in Jesus when you trust your own resources rather than trusting him? Is it showing that you are believing in Jesus when you know what he desires for you and you decide for yourself to do something else? Isn't that exactly what acting in contrary to the will of God is? Trusting yourself or your own resources rather than trusting Jesus. Deciding for yourself instead of going the way Jesus wants you to go. That is sin. And the Holy Spirit convicts us of our sin. The times that we go the wrong way. We do the wrong thing. We think the wrong thoughts. But I want to point out something here. Jesus tells the Holy Spirit tells us that the Holy Spirit convicts us of sin. He does not say that the Holy Spirit gives us guilt about sin or shame about sin. Guilt and shame are not the tools of the Holy Spirit. Guilt and shame are the tools of the enemy. Jesus took guilt and shame to the cross. It died with him there. Guilt and shame are not from God. They are from Satan. 
what the Holy Spirit does is convict us of sin. Then it says it, it, he cultivates, the Holy Spirit cultivates Christian character and comforts believers. In verse 7 of this passage, Jesus called the whole, calls the Holy Spirit the counselor. Now, in the original Greek, this is the word uh, paraclete or parakletos. Now, depending upon your English translation of the Bible, this may be counselor or comforter or helper. It's translated many ways because it doesn't come into English well from the Greek. And it's used so many different ways and, and in the, in, even in the, the original Greek. In 1 John 2, Jesus is called the parakletos of sinners, meaning the advocate or helper of sinners. Now we have this from the Old, Old Testament Judaism where only a, a male adult Jewish man can stand in in court. Everyone else needs an advocate, a woman, a child that has been wrong, had to have a, a, an adult Jewish male stand in for them in court, had to have an advocate stand in for them. So we have this idea of the advocate Jesus and the advocate of the Holy Spirit. Outside the Bible, the word, this, this parakletos or, or paraclete is used for helpers who come to the anxious soul to strengthen them and instruct them. So that, that's in the writings of the time in non-Christian view using the same word. So you can see how this word is translated so many different ways. And because the, the ministry of the Holy Spirit is so varied to the believer in comforting in showing the truth and empowering the believer, in, in being the advocate for the believer. You can see how one word really doesn't fu really fulfill the idea of the Holy Spirit. Helper, yes. Advocate, yes. Counselor, yes. Comforter, yes. The Holy Spirit cannot be summed up in one word. Given at the moment of salvation and seals the believer until heaven. This is a contentious statement because there are many belief systems that say that there's a second blessing of the Holy Spirit or a baptism of the Holy Spirit as something that has to be worked for and prayed for after salvation. But let me read you Ephesians 1, verses 13 and 14. It says, In him you also were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and when you believed, the Holy Spirit is the down payment of our inheritance until the redemption of the, of the possession to the praise of his glory. So verse 13 is clear. The Holy Spirit seals us when we believed. It's a down payment on the promise of our inheritance in heaven. So the Holy Spirit isn't a second blessing or a, or a later baptism that we must work for or, or try to, to achieve or receive. We are sealed when we place our trust in Jesus. And, and that seal seals us as children of God for our inheritance in heaven. I think the idea of the second blessing and, or, or, or later baptism of the Holy Spirit comes from the book of Acts. During Pentecost... The Holy Spirit worked that way 
in order to birth the church that we have today. But Paul is clear here, after the church is born, now that the church is living, that we receive the Holy Spirit when we receive Christ. And, that, and, and the next point, he empowers the believer in worship, evangelism, and service. Let me read you uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, starting in verse 4. It says, Now there are different gifts, but the same Spirit. There are different ministries, but the same Lord. And there are different activities, but the same God works all of them in each person. A manifestation of the Spirit is given to each person for the common good. No one is given a message of wisdom through the Spirit. To one, uh, excuse me, to one is given a message of wisdom through the Spirit. To another, a message of knowledge by the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the one Spirit. To another, the performing of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits. To another, different kinds of tongues. To another, interpretation of tongues. One and the same Spirit is active in all of these, distributing to each person as he wills. So the person of the Holy Spirit is the conduit through which we have the gifts that we have been given. Although the, the, the Holy Spirit is one person, he gives different gifts to different people, but all for the common good, it says in verse 7. Each believer is empowered by the Holy Spirit for the good of all of the church. There are a couple of things to think about here. For the first consideration is that the gifts of the Spirit are not meant for your glory. They are meant for the common good. They are meant for the glory of God. And they should be used to glorify God, not you. The second thing to think about there is, is every one of us have been given a gift. And so if you are not using it in your church, if you're not using it for the good of the church, then you are not in accordance with the will of God. The gift was given for the good of all so that your gifting can help build up the church. The Holy Spirit empowers us to minister in the church, to evangelize, and outside the church. You are probably good at something that the Holy Spirit intends to use to show Jesus to the world. It's my opinion that this usually follows your heart. What breaks your heart? Do people in need break your heart? Then you probably have the gift of service and should be using the gift of service for, the, for those in need. Does your heart break for those who don't know God the way you do? You may have the gift of knowledge or discipleship. Do you, does your heart ache for, for children to know Jesus or teens or seniors or moms or dads or doctors or nurses or, or cops or firemen? Use your gift, your talent, your knowledge, your experience to show Jesus to the ones your heart aches for. You know, I said at the beginning of this that our relationship with the Holy Spirit is, is almost comical because we want him to come and we want his power, but then we want to control how his power works. We want to control what he does in our life. 
1 Thessalonians 5.19 gives us this advice. Do not stifle the spirit. A spirit-filled, spirit-led life is available to every believer in Jesus Christ. We really just only have to get out of the way and let him do his work. Now, I can't possibly cover everything we need to know about the Holy Spirit in one 20-minute or 30-minute sermon. But I can tell you without reservation that the Holy Spirit is everything we need to live the life we were meant to live. He inspires us. He convicts us of our sin without guilt and without shame. He counsels us and comforts us and helps us and advocates for us and gives us an empowered life. Will you surrender to the Holy Spirit? Without holding anything back, without trying to control what He does or how He works in your life, will you surrender to the Holy Spirit? Bow your head with me and let's pray. Holy Spirit, we, we come acknowledging that we don't always listen to you, that we, that we sometimes try and control how you work in our life, that, that we sometimes try and control how you're working through us. We ask you to forgive us. Forgive us and empower our lives. We ask in the name of Jesus. Amen.